podcast about Jeopardy. Hello and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes, and a quiz. I'm Kyle. And I'm Emily. And we have a special guest with us today as well. Uh, we have Christian, uh, who is the, uh, the man behind the Twitter account Fake Jeopardy Stories. That's, uh, the Twitter handle is at fake underscore Jeopardy. Christian is the guy who runs that, came up with it. He's, uh, he's a managing editor. He lives in Brooklyn, New York, and we're delighted to have him with us today. Hi, Christian. Hi. Thank you for having me. Ah, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Um, so tell me about how you came to do this Twitter account. Yeah, I know. It's so silly. I watch Jeopardy every night. I have for a long time. And I was just talking with my old friend and he sent me, I think it was some tweet about like, oh, you should see this woman's story on Jeopardy tonight. And it was something really ridiculous. And I thought, I thought this could be really silly, a really funny thing. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is a thing that people would like to see about this. So like, like I had mentioned uh, to you before we started the podcast, uh, I have a two-year-old, so I have a lot of downtime. Uh, I'm also working from home due to the pandemic, and uh, I don't know. I just realized that it would be, a, it, I hate to say low effort, because it's not <laughs> what it is. It's really not low effort. At this point, I'm doing podcasts about it. Um, right. <laughs> but it, it was just something to, like, elevate this part of the show that I thought was kind of, had been a bit glossed over. Mm -hmm. and, you know, they always said, like, the stars of the real, I mean, I think this has become one of the most important parts, especially lately with uh, with Matt Amodio's run, is that the um, the contestants are the real stars of the show, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. they get no time to talk about anything in every one of their stories. And I'm sorry, because I know both of you have been on Jeopardy, but I'm sure both of your stories, do, do you, can you tell us, tell me your stories? Uh, mine uh, was that I am the first female pastor of a 160 year old church, 170 year old church. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, we went through, all of the ones that I thought were even remotely interesting, we got, I got through like my third game and mm. going back for the fourth game, they asked me like, okay, what should we put on your card next? And I was like, I literally have no idea. I'm boring. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so that made Karina a little upset with me. She was like, we need something. Just tell me something about yourself. And I was like, oh, I didn't prepare for this question. Ah, so, yeah, I mean, I talked about, I wrote a symphony once and uh, talked about, oh, geez, I don't know. Uh, I, I something a about a once. petting a cheetah in Namibia. That was the game I with did, me. I did pet a cheetah in Namibia, so I did get to talk about that. Basically, I got to talk about, I got to mention my wife and my brother and my parents Perfect. and my ki and my kids. So at, at some point, I got to talk about people. But and, and, you, and you see, this is where the beauty part comes in for me because I am just a guy who gets to hear that and make fun of it. So <laughs> right. all like everything that you that you both just mentioned are, are, are really those are interesting stories. If I was at a dinner party with each of you, I would want to talk to you. But on Jeopardy it just comes across as so forced and so 
constrained by whatever 10 seconds that you have to have that moment with uh, yeah. Alex, right? Um, so they're just like, okay, next person. And, uh, you know, the next thing you know, you're just moving on in the round. So I just thought, man, it would be funny just to make fun of these people and not really make fun of the people, just kind of make fun of the whole situation, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree, because it's not like... From, from like reading, you know, the, the fake Jeopardy stories, I, I never got the impression that you were, yeah, making fun of the actual contestants. Cause it, it seems to me that it's not like you take their story and just kind of tweak it to make it kind of like, you know, insulting or something. You just like, you just come up with stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I have really no interest in making fun of anyone's physical appearance or, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, like, that's not really appealing humor to me, or I think most people, honestly. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mostly it's just, you know, how absurd can I twist this? And and <laughs> as, it's gone, as it's gone on, it's been a really fascinating experience. I, as it's gone on, you know, when I first started, I think I was just, I didn't even, I didn't really even have cable. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to cable. I'm, I'm like a middle-aged man who does not have cable, and I... It sounds so sad. Goddamn. I guess I am a millennial. Just use my mother's cable login to watch Jeopardy. Jesus. How yes. Fun. Nice. <laughs> um, I started, I think I was taking screenshots of like what was ever, whatever was on Netflix and I was just kind of like riffing. And, uh, as it started picking up steam, uh, I guess what I started doing was following ex contestants. And that was really the catalyst. I think, um, other contestants started following me. You know, as time went on, I just kind of stuck with it because it was kind of my little, like, half-hour escape to be silly. More and more contestants were following, and I would get DMs from some contestants. Like, if I missed a night, like, typically I don't do Friday nights because that's my one night of of the week that my family allows me to go out and have a beer with my friends. (laughs) And I would get DMs from contestants like, hey, you missed Friday. I was really looking forward to it. And it's like, that is crazy to me that... Someone packed their clothes, went to Culver City, California, participated in Jeopardy, which is a huge deal, and then was pissed off that I didn't make fun of them on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, I get it. I guess that, but but it's just, to me, it's like, I don't know, it's just one of those things where I was like, oh, man, every time I miss a night, I feel bad about it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Christian. All of us who do Jeopardy fan media are, are doing this, you know, for fun. I think possibly one person may have maybe have been able to turn it into something they can do as their job. But most of us are just, you know, kind of doing this because we love Jeopardy and, you know, yeah, right. no pressure. But I, you know, to, to, to cover every single episode. But, like, I do get that, like, part of the part of the fun of being a Jeopardy contestant is like having your little, like, you know, your pop culture moment, your 15 minutes of fame, you know? And I feel like, I feel like you've, you've become part of that Christian. Um, so, you know, kudos. Um, it's a really, really fun Twitter account. Thank you. I, you know, this has like been a completely unexpected part of it where I started as a joke. I don't even think I told anybody about it. And, um, now like, my wife is like, oh, okay, it's like Jeopardy airs at 7 p.m. Uh, I don't know. Some people have it air at 7.30, and I feel bad for those people. <laughs> but we have it at 7, so, like, right around, like, 7.15 or so is when the contestant stories air, and that's, like, the, like, 
three minutes a day that I need to get my, like, screenshot and at least get the, like, rough draft of whatever I need to write. And mm-hmm. from then on out, I can be dead. But, like, <laughs> like that's my, like, four minutes of, like, I got to do this. And it's, like, my only homework for the night. Um <laughs> does give me a really good excuse to, most of the time, I'll just put Jeopardy on. More often than not, follow along with, uh, it, it's been a great excuse to just be able to watch Jeopardy. I, I I hear that. That's what this podcast is for me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So should we should we talk about the Jeopardy episodes this week? I mean, I guess. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, this is the week of October fourth, and on Monday's game we had Mike Howard, a retired iron worker and writer from Peculiar, Missouri; Elizabeth Mitchell, a student and part-time engagement specialist from Rosemead, California; and Matt Amodio, a PhD student from New Haven, Connecticut whose 33-day cash winnings total $1,267,801. And we have the Jeopardy round categories, four-letter book titles, baseball hall of famers by initials, inconceivable, if at first, first in quotation marks, you don't succeed, and fry, fry again. We had Matt almost sweep across the bottom row in the Jeopardy round, except that nobody knew... The $1,000 level of Fry Fry Again, this ovoid appetizer with a nationality in its name is enclosed in sausage and breadcrumbs. Of course, that is a scotch egg. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth tried what are Rocky Mountain oysters. <laughs> I, that's yeah, that's something else. That. I was thinking about that, and the only thing I could think of was um, Chevy Chase and Funny Farm. Does anyone understand that reference? I do not know that reference, sorry. I don't either. He um, goes to, I think there were uh, lamb fries and not Rocky, Mountain, not Rocky Mountain oysters, so I think they were called that in the movie, but he goes to the bar and has to eat a plate of them and finds out that they are testicles. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they're called that. Being from the Rocky Mountains, they're not particularly prevalent here. Yeah, I, I don't. You don't come across those on menus or anything. I don't know where that name comes right, from. I'll, no, they are balls, but I gotta think that like is they gotta be twice as plentiful as uh as bowls. So <laughs> you you'd be right, I guess. <laughs> the six hundred dollar clue in the four letter book titles category was coming between night and day. It's the middle title in Ely Wiesel's acclaimed trilogy, and Mike guessed what is Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I just love that that crossover there. Between like horrific Holocaust stories and vampire uh teenage romance mm-hmm. novels. Ho- hopefully never. Hopefully never. <laughs> hopefully never. I think I think we think we've had enough Twilight fan fiction. Kind of like, yeah, isn't Twilight fan fiction what spurned uh, uh, Shades? Yeah, Fifty Shades, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, it is. So, Daily Double number one is in the if at first category at the eight hundred dollar level. Uh, Matt finds that it's pick number nine. He is up to sixty six hundred, and the other two are both at negative one thousand. And he wagers sixty six hundred and gets the clue. Primus inter pares is Latin for this the member of a power-sharing group with a little more juice than the rest. And he gets it correct with what's first among equals. Mm-hmm. I was pleased to see that response because I had incorrectly guessed it from my couch for the $1,000 clue, trying to come up with what Poland uh, had called the the leader who held 
this communist party title uh, first secretary was that. But I was like first among equals. And then I was like, what is like, how did that phrase even get into my brain? I don't actually like I've heard first among equals, but like, I don't know what it is, um, where it's from, hmm. you know, um, I, I get, you know, that that sounds like it would be a communist type of title. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's a very animal farm kind of thing. <laughs> yes. I think I think that was that was the um, the connection that ha- kind of happened subconsciously. Um, but, so it was nice to have the reference placed for me the next time we came back to that category. Yeah. Anything in Latin? It, my Jeopardy uh, categories that I just bow out of silently are like ballet. <laughs> you know the things that usually get people. Uh, mm-hmm. Ballet. What is it like? Um, most composer questions, uh, anything in Latin, I, I tend to bow out a bit. I tend to tend to be quiet. <laughs> That's me with poetry. That's me with uh, Yeah. Unfortunately, I was an English major, so that <laughs> my father and I don't get a poetry question right. I get a, I get a like, this is what I spent money on. Look. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round. Good lord, Matt is at eighteen thousand six hundred, which is like a game-winning score, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Elizabeth is at six hundred, and Mike is at negative one thousand. And we have the double jeopardy categories: rivers of Asia, the arts, medical terms. This category is filler, sci-fi movie synopses, and before and after. There's the there's this one song in the. Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode once more with feeling where like it's an ensemble piece and if you listen carefully one of the kind of backup like dancers dancer singer people has a a line that that's I think this line's mostly filler and that was all I could think about with that I was really hoping it would come up I was like oh that would be a great like you know if they could if they could work that in that would be awesome but they didn't that's so a I very think, deep pull, Emily. It's a very deep. I mean, you'd you'd have to like you'd have to like reference the line and then be like and describe describe the television show and have people come up with Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be able to get them there otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to go back to just to work this back to Twitter because it's kind of my thing, guys. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of you know when I first started, I was having a hard time sourcing the screenshot of the three contestants. Mm-hmm. There is a, there was an account called um, Cool Jeopardy Stories, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what I kind of ripped off of and just made <laughs> a third version of that. And I think that the person who ran that Twitter account became a writer for Jeopardy. Oh, I believe that is the case. And, really? But the only thing that that person would do was just summarize whatever the contestants said. And I thought, God damn, how boring is that? <laughs> um, but I would steal their screenshots all the time. But I remember them making a post because I was, I remember being upset about it because I was where I had gotten my screenshots from about, I'm, I can't make this, I can't tweet on this account anymore. I am uh, writing for Jeopardy now. Wow. Mm-hmm. But that made me think about the Jeopardy writers. Like, like, like when sometimes when you see these categories with, quirky names it's like i think a couple was it last week it was like ladies and gentlemen the weekend yeah mm-hmm. oh so good <laughs> and all i can think about was like who's the writer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. give the writer a high five i thought the sci-fi movie synopses were great 
they were all alliterative for like mm-hmm. no reason mm-hmm. except that somebody was just really enjoying their day in the office, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Daily Double number two comes up as just the second pick in the round. Mike got to pick first, uh, went to the $2,000 of Rivers of Asia and got that one correct. So, um, so Mike finds this Daily Double at the $1,600 level of Rivers of Asia. He was at negative 1,000 before getting that 2,000, so he's at 1,000 to Matt's 18,600 and Elizabeth's 600. And he wagers 2,000, that's the maximum, and gets the clue, this lake of Israel, famous for its biblical associations, is fed and drained by the Jordan River. And he knows this one, it's the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is, in fact, kind of a medium-sized lake. Yeah, not a sea. Not a sea. Um and uh, Daily Devil number three is in the medical terms category at the $2,000 level. Matt finds it at pick number nine. At this point, he is up to 24600 Elizabeth's at 600 and Mike's at 4200 He wagers 5000 He gets the clue. Often administered through an inhaler, it's the 14-letter term for a medication that opens up the airways. And he gets it correct with what's bronchodilator. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. You can kind of like see him doing the math in his head as he says it out loud. It's which is kind of fascinating to watch. I think. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Matt has a lot game. He's at forty six thousand to Elizabeth's twenty two hundred and Mike's forty two hundred, and they get the category Renaissance men for final Jeopardy. I figured this was probably going to be the actual Renaissance, but it could also have been just you know. Men who are good at a bunch of things. Um, uh, Their clue here is 10 years before a more famous work, he wrote in 1503 that the way to deal with rebels is to placate them or eliminate them. Elizabeth tried who is Voltaire. That's not correct. She wagered 2000. So that brings her down to 200. Mike wrote who is Machiavelli. He didn't get the spelling quite correct, but that doesn't matter too much. He wagered 201 bringing him up to 44.01. And Matt has the correct response, who is Machiavelli, and wagered 37,000. His score for this game, this game is $83,000. Jeez. Yeah. That man knew his Renaissance men. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, he (laughs) did. Yes, indeed. Felt felt confident there, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so with that as his, like, new record... We go into Tuesday, where we have the contestants Anthony Christopher Smith, a social worker from Newark, New Jersey. Angie Vroomgevant, a writer from La Crescenta, California. And Matt Amodio, a PhD student from New Haven, Connecticut, who's 34 days. Cash winnings now total $1,350,801. We have the Jeopardy round categories Arithmetalk, In Search of Alien Life, It's a Process, That's a Different Preposition, their 90s hit album, and H is for history, with H in quotation marks. I'm a basketball fan, and I guess this goes back to the way that you were worried about, or you were you were hoping that there would be a Buffy question in the previous game. Mm-hmm. It's a process. Um, I'm a, I, I grew up around Philadelphia, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with basketball or anything like that, but... It's a, it's a kind of a saying in Philadelphia basketball that you have to trust the process. 
when I saw that, I thought, oh, maybe, maybe there's a chance there will be a sports question, but I should know better by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daily Double number one is in the it's a process category at the $600 level. That's uh, not a basketball question, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Anthony finds this one as the fifth pick. He's at 1800 to Matt's 2000 Angie is still at zero. He wagers 1400 and gets the clue. Darwin wrote that he called a process this or survival of the fittest. And Anthony gets that one. I thought it was a little challenging, but the correct response here is natural selection. I, I, I thought evolution in my head. I yeah, know. I thought, yeah, evolution I thought was like the big neg bait here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I had the same um, thought. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Darwin didn't use the term evolution. That seems like something I've heard before, too, but I I, I don't. Yeah, Charles Darwin hardly ever used the word evolution. Yeah, but like I feel like I feel like evolution it would be something that would come to mind for a lot of people. And that this felt challenging for a 600 level clue to me. Like when you said natural selection, I was like, oh, right. I guess that's another word for that. And yeah. for that, I was wrong. Yes. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Matt is at 12,600. Anthony is not out of contention. He's at 5,200. Um, I mean, often Matt makes it like feel totally conclusive by the end of the Jeopardy round. But Anthony's hanging in there. Angie's at 600. And we have the double Jeopardy categories. Here comes the sonnet. The Americans, uh, that's with a hyphen and A-N-N. These are people named Anne from America. Cult movies, I before E after C. That's Grand and Canyons. The cult movies, $800 clue. This was a weird question. A moody crime drama involving a robbery gone wrong. The Drop stars this TV mob boss in his final film. And Angie rang in, clearly thinking of, like, of the right person, mm-hmm. and said, who's T- Tony Soprano, Anthony Soprano? And I said, correct. And Matt got it with Gandolfini, but, like... The TV mob boss is Tony is Soprano. Is Tony Soprano. Like, I know it stars James Gandolfini, but they shouldn't use the descriptor TV mob this boss. TV mob boss, right? It should say, like, yeah, this actor. Like, uh, right? Like, this TV mob boss actor, even, right? Like, you know, like... But yeah. yeah, without without the word actor in there, I think that naming the the TV mob boss he's famous for playing, I, I think maybe they should have taken it. Yeah, that was just a badly badly worded clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Daily Double number two is in That's Grand at the $1,600 level. It's pick number five in the round. Uh, Angie finds it. She is at 2200 to Matt's 17400 and Anthony's 5200 And she bets it all, which she should. She has the clue. The head of state of this small nation is Grand Duke Henri. And she goes through her small nations and remembers that Luxembourg is a Grand Duchy and gets it correct. Mm-hmm. And Daily Double number three is in Here Comes the Sonnet. This one's the 15th pick. It's at the $800 level. And Matt finds this one. He's at 24600 to Angie's 2800 and Anthony's 9600 He wagers 10000 so he's looking to kind of get yeah. far enough away from Anthony to not feel any more pressure, you know. He gets the clue, with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life are a few of the ways this woman loves thee. Uh, and he correctly responds, what's browning? <laughs> 
Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Okay, so Jeopardy, I feel I feel they're being inconsistent with when they are asking for a first name versus not. There's really only one famous female female Browning. Yeah. Where does the blame for that inconsistency fall on? I think it's, it's judges the or possibly the exe- I think it's the executive producer. Yeah. I think it, I think it's Mike Richards who is still the executive producer at this point, but we're in the last week. Wasn't today of, game? I think the game that aired today is his last one as as EP. Yeah. So okay. I gotta say, Mike Richards, thank you for all of the Twitter engagement that I got. <laughs> because I never in my wildest dreams thought that like Jeopardy would be at the top of the news cycle. <laughs> so much stories. I had all these like, random Twitter so people badly. being all curious about my activity, and I was like, "Who are these people?" Did you have anybody who thought that you were like somehow officially affiliated? Absolutely. I said one of the biggest things that happened where I like actually I don't really try to bother my wife with my silly internet parody accounts. I, I, say, I, I used a plural there, but I don't really... I was going to say, how many do you have? <laughs> yeah, no, there's only one, I guess, but I, I try not to, like, talk to that about that kind of stuff, because it's ultimately just a silly thing, and uh, when Katie Couric was hosting, I made a tweet, and I, I would put, like, fake captions on the on a screenshot, mm-hmm. and she had just pissed off Trump supporters. Um, mm-hmm. I forget. I think I said something like, uh, somebody's mad about me hosting, and I, she quote tweeted it. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Like, I did not expect <laughs> Katie Couric to reply. And it seemed anything that I was doing in my life, mostly. She's got like a million followers on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And my mentions were absurd for like a week. And I don't envy anyone as famous as her ever. Like, I don't care what they're famous for, but like, it was just obnoxious. Like, I had people telling me that I was terrible. I was a terrible host of Jeopardy. (laughs) 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 This time where I was like telling some, everybody seems nice. They're like, you know, the profile photos are like these like old, maybe like an older person from the Midwest or something, and they, you know, they love their dogs or whatever, and mm-hmm. Joanne or whatever their names are, like, I am not Jeopardy. Like, I am not. <laughs> just a, just Kirk, a guy. I'm not Katie Couric. I'm not Jeopardy. Like, if you look at the last tweet I had, I made a fart joke. You know, like, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I get, a lot, I get a lot of strays like that where people do, either don't know or don't care. They just see Jeopardy and they just like think that I'm Jeopardy. That happens a lot. <laughs> Bad, badly, I feel bad for Jeopardy on that in that instance. Not so much me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Matt has another lock game at thirty nine thousand. Anthony is up to eleven thousand two hundred, which is very good in general and also against Matt. And Angie is at 2,400. We get the uh, final Jeopardy category, popular phrases and the clue. This phrase relating nutrition and health was popularized by fruit scientist J.T. Stinson at the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair. And I don't remember you mentioning this in your World's Fair deep dive, Emily. I, you know, it was it was pretty comprehensive, but not comprehensive enough, apparently, to get to this. Uh, yeah, yeah, really. 
Sorry, maybe um, it should have been like like a three hour deep dive. It, you know, <laughs> it was, that's it all. It felt like that, one of the lengthy ones. Right, that's what our listeners are really asking for: is longer episodes. Longer episodes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, everyone got it, which is really surprising given the uh, just the amount of stuff you have to write in the amount of time they give you. Uh, Angie wrote, what is an apple a day keeps the doctor away? That is correct. And she wagered all 2,400. Anthony also got, what is an apple a day keeps the doctor away? Didn't risk his second place by wagering 6,000. And Matt also got it correct and wagered 11,000 to get to a nice round $50,000. Mm-hmm. And on Wednesday... We have the contestants Casey Brown, a marketing manager from Long Beach, California, David Garcia, an IT communications strategy team lead, that's a mouthful, from Troy, mm-hmm. Michigan, and Matt Amodio, a PhD student from New Haven, Connecticut, whose 35-day cash winnings total $1,400,801. And we have the Jeopardy round categories, 1800s U.S. history, in that Bible book, Blank and blank, get a hobby, we are TV family, and double the same vowel words. So Daily Double number one was the first pick of the game. It's at the $1,000 level in the 1800s U.S. history category. Matt finds it. Of course, everyone's at zero, and he wagers 1000 And he gets the clue. The economy crashed when this type of financial crisis with a five-letter name hit the U.S. in 1837. And Matt gets correct with what is panic. I believe I talked about the panic of 1837 at some hard. point. I'm a millennial, and there have been like a bunch of different kind of economy crashes in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you know, we're just kind of used to it. Yeah, I was just thinking, racking my brain over which what, which one is a five letter word. I don't. <laughs> there's so many that I, I've lost count. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had a really interesting reversal in this game. Interesting because I thought the answer was correct. So at the $800 level of get a hobby, we had the clue flower arrangers know to cut stems at this angle for longest life. Uh, David rang in and said, what is bias? And that was ruled incorrect initially. And then Matt rang in and said, what's 90 degrees? And then it turned into a triple stumper like until the commercial break. And then when they came back, they told David that bias was correct, uh, which I had thought it was uh, to cut on the bias in like sewing is like you cut at an angle, which makes the fabric lie differently. And so I knew cutting on the bias as like cutting at 45 degrees. And I really thought they should have given it to him to him. So I was glad they did. Yeah. So at the uh, end of the Jeopardy round, Matt is at 9,800, David is at 3,000, and Casey is at 2,000. And we get the double Jeopardy categories, Peninsulas, by a one-named writer, So Very Cold, Colleges and Universities, the 1991 Grammys, and Interplanetary Words, which had a name of a planet in each of the correct responses. Okay, so in four of the Interplanetary Words, clues the correct response had the actual name of the planet you know letter for letter and then in one case it was like based on the name of the planet specifically at the $1,200 level this adjective means wildly changeable in terms of personality and the correct response there was mercurial Mm -hmm. um, which is spelled 
similarly to Mercury, you know, it's based on the word Mercury, but the Y in Mercury changes into an I. And I thought that was slightly different from what they said the gimmick of the category was. So that bugged me a little. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She did uh, qualify it, though. Did she? Okay. All or the majority of the The majority. All or the majority. You're right. Okay. I see it there. All right. That's that's fair. I I withdraw my objection. While 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 we're speaking about objections about random clues and not daily doubles, the $400 clue for peninsulas. In 1985, the Supreme Court said this 118-mile-long piece of land forming part of NYC is a peninsula. And the the answer was Long Island. And I l- technically live on Long Island. I live in Brooklyn. Mm. And in my head, all I can think of is 118 miles. I, I mean, that's really long. I, mean, I guess Long Island is the only thing that fits that. But it's, it's not really a peninsula. It's, a, it's an island. Mm. There's a connect. Pull up Google Maps. It doesn't connect to any land anywhere. Yeah. I don't know. I was confused by that. And I think Matt was, too. I think he, I think he had guessed the Bronx because he was yeah. just... Probably thinking in the said Manhattan, but no, that's an island. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it seems like our quibble. Uh, I'm with you. It seems like our quibble is with the Supreme Court. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Although, like, I guess, I guess in in that the Jeopardy writers were like, let's put this in the Peninsula's category. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I, I brought this clue up. I, I met up with my friend earlier tonight, and I brought, I brought, I said I was, I'm going on a on a, on a Jeopardy podcast tonight. He just kind of looked at me like. <laughs> Um, but he was asking me, he, he, he actually had mentioned that he brought up the, the peninsula question. He is, he's the one who actually applied that to me. And I was like, you know what? I remember that. So I'm glad I got to talk with you both about it tonight. But I, I swear I went to Google maps and I looked to see where Long Island connected to any area. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. So yeah. it's like, damn Supreme court ruining my islands. Yeah. Yeah. What could the Supreme Court have been thinking? I do not know. I wonder why they had to even rule it as a peninsula. Like, what what was the? I wonder yeah. what the, the case was where that that had to be defined. Uh, Daily double number two is at the eight hundred dollar level of by a one named writer, and Casey finds this one at the fourth pick. She is at thirty two hundred to Matt's thirteen thousand and David's three thousand, and she makes it a true daily double and gets the clue. A complete list of the mononymous Euripides works would include his play about this monocular creature. She correctly responds, what is the Cyclops? Daily Double number three is only a few picks later. At the $2,000 level of Peninsulas, Matt finds it. This is uh, pick number seven, and he is up to 15400 David's at 3000 cases at 6400 and he gets the clue... This Russian peninsula with strategic importance in the board game Risk is home to over 300 volcanoes. And Matt, being the good Risk player, knows that that is Kamchatka. Mm-hmm. That was one of those, like, as a, I think I'm smart, but I'm not very smart person who watches Jeopardy. I was like, shit, but really, that was great. That was, a, I did not know that. That was a very impressive answer to me. When was the last time you played Risk? I, I was going to say, I haven't played Risk in a really long time either. I have seen a lot of si- Seinfeld, but I'm not sure I've ever, like, sat down and watched an episode of Seinfeld. You know, like, like I turn it on and it's partway, like, you know, like, uh, like 
I'm not a big Seinfeld viewer, but for whatever reason, the line, the Ukraine is weak, came to mind. (laughs) And I was like, all right, it's got to be something to do with Ukraine. (laughs) Um, And and Kamchatka was never going to come to me, even though I've played quite a bit of risk. So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Matt is in a lock position again with 38,600. Uh, Casey's at 7,200, David's at 3,000. And we have the final Jeopardy category, historic calendars. And the clue, following Messidor, this summer month in the 18th century French revolutionary calendar had a name meaning heat gift. There was some, there was some kerfuffle about this one uh, on the social medias. Yeah, which Um, I didn't really understand. Yeah, a bunch of people misinterpreted it in the same way, which can sometimes mean it's poorly written. But I don't think that is the case here. Yeah. Used by it at all. And I, I'm like, it, it, it just seemed, it was just a question I didn't know the answer to. Yeah. A bunch of people thought that they were supposed to come up with the corresponding month in our own calendar to the month in the French revolutionary calendar that comes after Messador. That is not that's not the case. Anyway, David did not come up with anything. He just has what is question mark, but he didn't wager anything. So no harm, no foul. Casey tried what is August and wagered a thousand. Uh, that's not correct. And that drops her down to 6,200. Uh, she will finish in second place. Really, no harm, no foul all around because this game is right. double locked. And Matt also tried what is August. Uh, I guess, I guess some, some harm. He wagered 22,000, which drops him down to 16,600. They were looking for Thermidor. The uh, month of lobsters. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> the therm in Thermidor, like in thermometer, that means heat. Uh, if that root word helps anybody at all. But yeah, I think a number of people I follow on Twitter or I'm friends with on Facebook mentioned that for whatever reason, as they were reading the clue, they thought they were supposed to figure out which of our months corresponds to Thermidor and sort of made it more complicated than it needed to be. Um, Matt has defended the clue on, mm-hmm. on, on his Twitter. He's pretty active. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is fun. It's, it's fun to, fun to see. Uh, yeah. Hey, anyway, uh, that, Brings us to Thursday when we have the contestants Maddie Williams, a Ph.D. candidate originally from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Tyler Seipel, a voice and speech teacher originally from Columbus, Ohio. And Matt Amodio, a Ph.D. student from New Haven, Connecticut, whose 36-day cash winnings total $1,417,401. And we have the Jeopardy round categories seen here. Saturday Night Live People, Compound Words, 30-something, Character Development, and Easy geography with easy in quotation marks. Okay, so for me, the highlight of this round was at the $1,000 level of character development, where the clue was, he tinkers with history at the Ministry of Truth, gets a girlfriend, and has a very bad year. (laughs) (laughs) Matt rang in and said, what's Snape? And that's not correct. So Maddie followed up with, who is Harry Potter? (laughs) And and I get it, because I went with them right to J.K. Rowling at the Harry <laughs> Potter franchise. The Ministry of Truth is not part of the Harry Potter universe. That's part of the, the universe of George Orwell's classic 1984. And yes. they were looking for Winston Smith. Winston Smith. Smith. Yeah. Uh, when I was watching. Uh, I thought that was great. <laughs> Snape. 
well, this dude is obviously onto something, so I'm gonna. Yeah. Just coattail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's on the right track, probably. Oh, that's really unfortunate. <laughs> the next pick, the $1,000 clue in 30-something. Sir John Buchan wrote this spy novel that Hitchcock made into a big-screen thriller. That's The 39 Steps, uh, which was a fine movie, but there is a stage production of it in which it is, it's more of a uh, like slapstick comedy version mm-hmm. of it because it has four actors playing all of the roles, which is very, very fun. I very much enjoyed the the stage version of 39 Steps. If you guys yeah. see it's very good. All right. Daily Devil number one is at the $1,000 level of compound words. Matt finds it at the fourth pick, and he has a 1,000 at this point. Tyler's at zero. Maddie's at negative 1,000. Um, and Matt wagers a 1,000. It's a true Daily Double. And he gets the clue, a wonder of the world gave us the word pharos, meaning one of these. Uh, and he knows that one. That's Lighthouse. Comes up a lot. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Matt's at 10,200. Tyler's at 3,800. And Maddie's at negative 600. And we have the double Jeopardy categories seen here. A presidential category. The Earth. We did start the fire. U.S. franchises and um, Christian's favorite say it in Latin. Oh God! <laughs> One of the um, clues in that was uh, "There's truth in wine." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my one of my groomsmen at my wedding has this like ridiculous. He, he's got like all types of ridiculous tattoos because I live in Brooklyn, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he has a in carne veritas with like a ribeye steak. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And, uh, so I knew that one just, just from my friend's silly thigh tattoo. And that was about the limit of my Latin knowledge. On that nice. One. Nice. Well, I guess you picked, you know, I think that's why Jeopardy appeals to everybody. Everybody got, everybody's got their, uh, <laughs> got their something. Got their something. Uh, we get daily double number two in that Latin category. Uh, it's at the $800 level. Pick number 18, Matt finds it. He's up to 29,000. Tyler is at 62,000 and Maddie is at negative 1,800. And he wagers 5,000 and he gets the clue, great work, which really just makes me think of like Lin-Manuel Miranda and the great job. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's, that's off. And he gets it correct with what is magnum opus? You know what? <laughs> the other thing I wanted to highlight was a, a uh, thing that I thought was going to come up and didn't. Uh, which is in the presidential category. We never talked about George Washington's dentures. I was like, oh, well, definitely George Washington's dentures are going to be in there. You know, something about them. Yeah, going to be a wooden tooth comment in here or something, right? George Washington had uh, multiple sets of dentures over the course of his life, um, and some were wood, but he also had dentures that used um, various kinds of ivory. Um, he also had dentures that, Used human teeth. Human teeth, um, yeah. Human teeth from his didn't, he have, didn't he have slave teeth in his mouth? Yes, yes, yeah. he did. Yes. Pretty, pretty gross. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, not great. <laughs> yeah. Clarify my that's pretty gross comment by saying it's pretty gross that he would own humans and use their teeth in yes. his mouth. Yes, uh, indeed. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 Uh, that's that's what I that's I, what I. Assume I you yeah, we're we're all on the same page there. Yeah. 
Daily Double number three is in the we did start the fire category at the $800 level. And Matt finds it at the 21st pick. He's at 35200 to Tyler's 6200 Maddie's in the red at negative 1000 And Matt wagers 3000 and gets the clue. Also an automotive noise. It can be a blaze deliberately set for wildfire control, as seen here. And there was a photograph. And he gets it correct with what's backfire. So this game to me was the best game of the week. Mm -hmm. I say that because Maddie was down, I want to say there were like four clues left and she was down 1400 or something like that. And the only clues left were $400 clues. Like she needed to sweep the $400 clues to finish in the, in the, not out of the red, in the, in the blue. I don't know. Where in, in the black, yeah, well, or in the, I think, in the, I, well, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Positive. In the positive. She, she got the first two and she was kind of going down the line and then Matt got the earth 400 one. Mm-hmm. You could see it. Like she was just defeated, and like if you know at that point there was no mathematical way for her to like finish, like to be able to do Final Jeopardy, and I felt really bad. Like that was a kind of like a fun mini game. I thought, mm, yeah, it was a bit of a beat the clock moment, and I was rooting for her because I feel like I don't know. It's always better when even if it's a runaway, it's always better if everybody can play Final Jeopardy. You know, she's that she she got worked really hard to get onto the game. You want to see her be able to play. And then, and then she missed, she nagged on the, on the 29th clue, but then seeing her get that last 30th one and like, I mean, yeah, then mm. they're like, you can't participate in Final Jeopardy, but like, I, I feel like seeing her finish on a high note, like that's gotta feel better than like just sort of standing there and not being able to get in for the last couple of clues, you know? It's gotta be like, feel like such a, I, and like, a, you know, I've never been on Jeopardy, unlike you two, but. I feel like being on the show, you would really want the full experience and part of the full experience is sitting there while that like, you know, that music's playing and yeah. Yeah. You get that camera to pan on you and you kind of have that like look on your mm-hmm. face or thinking yep. <laughs> or scribbling if you if you know what it is. But yeah, I, I don't know. I felt, I felt a little bad on that. It, it always is tough. Speaking of that, Maddie does remain in the, in the red. So she does not get into final jeopardy. Tyler is at 6,600 and Matt is at 41,400. Final Jeopardy category is Winter Olympic Sports, and the clue is the official Olympic website says this event has its roots in survival skills practiced in the snowy forests of Scandinavia. Tyler wrote, what is biathlon? And that was ruled incorrect. Bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he wagered everything and went to zero. Matt wrote, what is biathlon with no A? In, in between the th and the lawn, uh, and that was ruled correct. There is a major, major outcry about this, because who pronounces it biathlon? We all say it's a biathlon, because getting from the th to the ol, unless you purposely stop, like, uh, 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 what's the word? Making tone with your voice. What is that word? Whatever, whatever it is. Nobody, know. nobody stops saying the word when they say the the th and then starts again after the l. If you're Matt, speaking, you just say Matt, biathlon. Matt himself tweeted about this. I'm reading it yeah. right now. He said, "Who is Washington? Who? What is a caramel instead of caramo? A yeah. monkey instead of Monday? Or etc. Things that would be accepted if it was spoken, but mm-hmm. not 
regional pronunciations are okay, but regional spelling, like, and he, the way he framed it was, you know, to be non-confrontational because he is a diplomat who is going to be like on whatever future Jeopardy shows, of course. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, I think that he was kind of saying, uh, it was a little bullshitty. Especially yeah. because it wasn't in any, it wasn't threatening to him in any way. It doesn't matter. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, what, like what? So Tyler gets second place with a correct final Jeopardy instead of an incorrect one. Like, let him have it. Yeah. I, someone, someone leaked the J archive and said, oh, it was a while back, but they've given credit for, uh, like pentathlon or something like tri- that. Yeah. Tri- triathlon. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, they've done it before. At that point, it's a consistency issue, and the only thing that was noted was by Josh Tiger Hill, who's one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. He wrote, different executive producer back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There's a subtweet for you. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, also, like, uh, when, when Kyle and I were in the studio, I remember this was a spoken answer. I remember Rick Terpstra getting credit for... Robinson Caruso, right? Mm-hmm. With a little bit of a little bit of a schwa. Between. That wasn't that long ago, right? I feel like that was like within the that last was, year or two. Three years ago was Rick Terpstra. That was uh, he was yeah. the returning champion when uh, season thirty-five started, which was uh, yeah. Kyle and I went into tape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I like I, I recognize the importance that like even if somebody clearly knows the information, if they mispronounce it and spell it so that it's like clearly a different word or not the way that it's actually supposed to be. I, I get that rule, but I don't know. This, this seems like splitting hairs for no reason. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they should have given it to him. Cut to like a brooding Mike Richards with my, <laughs> up there. All right. I'm bringing them yeah. all down with me. <laughs> So on Friday, October 8th, we have the contestants Max Godnick, a producer originally from New York, New York, Claire Lyon, an engineer originally from Ashland, Kentucky, and Matt Amodio, a Ph.D. student from New Haven, Connecticut, whose 37 day cash winnings at this point total one million four hundred sixty seven thousand eight hundred and one dollars. And we have the Jeopardy round categories. October. Tales of Horror, Surviving Prohibition, We Look Down on That State, Actor Moguls, and 4-4. Those response, responses will all be pairs of two, of four-letter words. I feel like We Look Down on That State is, uh, there, there's like some, some, uh, some low-hanging fruit, uh, as far as jokes we could make about that. Right. Got a couple of New Yorkers on the call. Like, how are you going to come up with five questions about New Jersey? Um, (laughs) I I was thinking something similar. I I was like, aren't we kind of known for our elitism? We looked Uh, out on all the states. Yeah. (laughs) I wondered how they graded these, because to me, they were all equally difficult in terms of them not being difficult at all. Mm, Yeah. Like the thousand dollar clue was Kansas is directly north of this state. <laughs> it's like, I mean, if if you know your fifty states, which if you're going on Jeopardy, you probably should. I felt like this category was really more of just a buzzer test. Yeah, um, I have a hard time memorizing visual things. Like, I like hmm. retaining um, retaining a map is harder for me than like you know state capitals or like a or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so some of these I had a harder time with and the ones that were easier were, of course, states where I had driven through them. (laughs) So Vermont, Massachusetts and Virginia, North Carolina came to me easily. And uh, and then I had a hard time kind of pulling up like that part of the map in my in my kind of uh, in my brain in time for the others. Just my own personal thought process with these kinds of questions. Yeah. Um, once it gets into the Midwest, it's like you said, it's like a buzzer uh, category, but still like a, it's just enough to make you start double like like second guessing your uh, which of the square Midwestern states that they're <laughs> asking for or yeah. rectangular, you know, I guess. Yeah. I live in one of those. So I guess I'm a little more, <laughs> a little more aware of, of which one's which. <laughs> Got to know which one I'm driving into. Daily Double number one was pick number three. Uh, it's the $1,000 clue in October. Uh, Matt finds it. He is the only one with money. Claire is at negative 1,000 and Max is at zero. And uh, he wagers all 2,000. And he gets a clue. In Catholic tradition, October is the month to celebrate this set of prayers recited with an accompanying physical aid. And he gets it correct with what's rosaries. I mean... Catholicism, physical aid. Yeah. You know? It felt yeah, easy, I, easy for mm-hmm. a thousand level clue to me. Yeah. There, I, if there was more than one kind of physical aid that you could think of, maybe it would have been harder, but yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm a confirmed Catholic, uh, Strangely enough, not a, not a religious person now, but um, uh, the only other physical things I could think of in Catholic uh, church was, you know, drinking the wine and eating those stale crackers. <laughs> no comment. Right. <laughs> well, with that, uh, we'll, we'll go to double, double Jeopardy. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, oof. Matt is at 14,200. Claire has gotten herself back to zero, and Max is at 3,600. And we have the double jeopardy categories, the Grand Ole Opera House, Not Your Average Gemstone, Pardon My Frenchman, The Flying dot 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 Technology, and I'd Like a Word with You, you starting each uh, correct response. I think I said this on Friday. Anytime I see the word opera, I... Stay away from that category. <laughs> yeah, although this this category, m- most of them, I don't know, most of the clues weren't really trying to get you to name an opera right. or or something. It was it was something tangential to an opera. Uh, the first pick of the round was the twelve hundred dollar clue, and uh, I'm pretty sure that Matt knew it because I talked about it on an episode. Um, Surely this opera house, yeah, yeah, opened in Milan in 1778 with a performance of Europa Recognized by Salieri. That's La Scala, and you know it's it's a really obscure thing. It's definitely not the most famous opera house in the world, so hmm. he must have known it because of me. It's funny to see um, Harvard's football uh, innovations highlighted. <laughs> <laughs> in one in, uh, in the flying at 400 uh, the flying wedge was first used in this sport by Harvard in 1892 but became illegal due to players being brutalized Matt got that one that's football Harvard is, is not especially known for it's uh, <laughs> it's great football it's pretty bad football but apparently 
apparently they were, you know, cutting edge in the late 19th century. So mm-hmm. I feel like um, this kind of question is just going to be relevant to like all football in the future. It was yeah. made illegal because of players being brutalized. And yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Daily Double number two comes up in the not your average gemstone category at the $1,200 level. And it's just the fourth pick. Uh, Matt has, uh, has gotten the first three clues, uh, and he uncovers this one. Oh, I can't find. There we go. There it is. Okay. He's at 18,600 at this point. Claire is still at zero. Max is still at 3,600 because Matt's the only one who's gotten in. And Matt wagers 6,000. And his clue is dust and ash from a volcano in this state were used to create a new green type of gem called Helenite. And he correctly responds, what's Washington uh, from Mount St. Helens, of course. I don't know why, but it's, you know, one of those things that you learn incorrectly at a young age, and then you have to, like, unlearn and teach yourself the other way. For mm-hmm. some reason, my first instinct with Mount St. Helens is always to say Oregon. Mm. And I, I don't know why I learned it that way, but I did at some point. And so now every time it comes up, I have to go through the process of, okay, <laughs> I think it's Oregon, but I I know it's actually Washington. And then, like, oh, but do I have it backward? Is it actually Oregon? And I thought it was Washington, but then I talked myself out of it, blah, blah, blah. Like all that nonsense that you go through. Mm-hmm. The thing that you had to relearn. I'm sure that you can find a group of people on the Internet who also think it's Oregon, and they'll chalk it up to the Mandela effect, and then mm-hmm. they'll blame it on diverging uh, timelines. Time yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah I can see that. Some timeline it is Oregon, I'm sure. Okay. Well, you know what? I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Daily Devil number three is in the I'd like a word with you category at the $2,000 level. Matt finds it at pick number 11. He is at 31,800. Claire is still at zero and Max is at 5,600. Anyway, a mere 2,000. And he gets the clue. This Japanese word for a type of flavor entered English in the early 1960s. And he, I mean, you could see him being like, ah, oh, I should have bet more because, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. mommy. Yeah, that was a pretty easy one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was very easy. And he got it. It didn't really matter. You know, he had six times the second place person anyway, so. Uh, I don't I don't know if either of you cook a lot, do you? Sort of, yeah. Yeah. I read a lot of, like, Serious Eats recipes, you know, like uh, J. Kenji Lopez all is, like, mm-hmm. popular you know, internet chef, I guess if you want to call it that. But he overuses the word umami like crazy. <laughs> so like kind of drilled into my brain as a uh as kind of a pet peeve word almost. Ah, yeah. Where he'll be making some kind of stew or, or even like a marinara sauce and he, he always puts fish sauce in everything for umami. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just always drives me a little nuts. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yep. Sure. So at the end of the Double Jeopardy round. Matt's at 43,800. That's a lot game. Max is in second place at this point with 7,600. Claire's at 5,600. And we have the final Jeopardy category, the Southern Hemisphere. And the clue, British zoologist George Shaw looked for stitches when he first saw this mammal in 1799, thinking he was being tricked. Claire got this one correct uh, with what is platypus she's wagered 1691 that brings her up to 7291 max tried what is a zebra uh and he's wagered 
3601 that drops him to 3999. And Matt has it correct as well with what is duckbill platypus. He's wagered 7,000. So that brings him up to 50,800 for the day. And, uh, he's crossed the one and a half million mark for his winning streak. One million five hundred eighteen thousand six hundred and one dollars. Yep. Yeah. Every game was a lock this week, I think, right? Uh-huh. I think oh, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. Nearly all of his games have been locks. I don't yeah. It's been a very small number that haven't, at least since the, the season restarted. I, I think he did the um, palindrome when he broke a million. Am I wrong? He, the, like the, he wagered so that, the, that, that his uh, total winnings would be, would be a palindrome. Am I right there? So I, I, just, I think that like once players start doing that, it's just like, okay, this person, <laughs> this person is just toying with people now. It is a palindrome. You're right. Nice. Uh, so. That's the end of the week, and uh, Matt continues his winning streak. We will see him next week. This is when we remind you that we have a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash potentpotables. You can go there to support us financially if you so desire. There are some things for sub- subscribers only uh, behind the paywall that you can check out. And if nothing else, it just helps us to keep doing the doing the show uh, at not a net loss. And mm-hmm. hopefully be able to hire someone to uh, take over the audio editing portion of this. So that's what we're looking forward to with with enough financial support. And if that is not something that you can do, we do encourage you to check out communityjusticeexchange.org, blacklivesmatter.com, and the uh, Stop Asian Hate GoFundMe uh, database to support local and national social justice movements. Yeah, if you if you have to figure out where limited funds are going, there are more important things than our podcast. Not many, but there are a handful. Just yeah. just the ones we mentioned. I know um, I know I can't say anything, but uh, you know, getting this level of talent on the show isn't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the fart joke Twitter guy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, We are we are are very 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 fortunate to to have fabulous guests uh, join us. Oh, um, I should I should say a thank you because we have a new Patreon supporter, Nicole Newlist. Oh, hey, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, who was on Jeopardy? I can't remember. Recently, it feels like very. I believe it was the last game of season thirty-seven. Yep. Yep, that's right. So thank you for your support, Nicole. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. All right, so, Christian. Yes. You have a deep dive for us. I do. I saw, I, I received uh, your notes, and um, I know you said you sometimes try to guess what the deep dive is on, but that is not going to be the case today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Good, because um, I never do. I'm so bad at it. Well, you know what? I'll let you guess, but uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty uh, obvious. <laughs> One of the triple stumpers, and we talked about it on Friday, was why is Long Island not an island? Oh yeah. Mm. Why is it considered a peninsula? Interesting. And I looked into that, and then I started kind of doing a deep dive on some facts about Long Island. Okay. Because uh, I live on Long Island, and honestly, I didn't really know that much about Long Island. So I thought, why not learn a little bit more and maybe. Uh, Somebody can learn something. I know I will, because 
I know pretty much nothing about Long Island. Yeah, this is this is great. So regarding why Long Island is considered a peninsula, uh, I looked up the Supreme Court case from 1985. It is considered a peninsula. Uh, it was the, ca- the case in question was the United States versus Maine, uh, which arose over disputes between states and the federal government over who legally controls the water between the eastern tip of Long Island and Rhode Island, which is to the north. Hmm. Uh, the Long Island Sound is to the south, and the Block Island Sound is to the north of the island. If Long Island were legal and, legally an island, then that water would then be considered the open sea and therefore be regulated by the federal government. If it's designated a peninsula, the water around it and the soil at the bottom of the sound comes under the authority of the states surrounding it. The Supreme Court's ruling said that the island is an extension of the New York mainland and that ships passing through the bay to its north need a state-licensed captain for New York and Rhode Island law. Uh, technically, the East River, uh, which is the body of water that separates Long Island from Manhattan and the Bronx, uh, that's the East River is, I'm sure you've heard all the jokes about it in all the mob movies and all those things. It's, mm. the, mm-hmm. it's the filthy river between Brooklyn and Manhattan. And uh, it's technically a tidal strait and not a river. Since it's relatively shallow, difficult for ships to navigate, and it's not now into the sea, that doesn't count, according to the Supreme Court. That doesn't count as a body of water. Hmm. Hmm. Scientific, scientific experts don't really agree with that. Uh, geologically, the two islands are made of very different kinds of rock, four millions of years apart, but the ruling of it as a peninsula was one of political expediency. It just made it more convenient so that uh, New York can exercise jurisdiction over it and reap uh, whatever natural resources it can from that. So I don't know if maybe we had some New York-friendly judges on the Supreme Court in 1985 or, or what the whole deal was. But that is why Long Island is a peninsula. Hmm. Hmm. But totally not a peninsula. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, not in any way. Yeah. <laughs> Except legally. Uh, yeah. So I have a bullet point. So bullet points are some facts about Long Island. This population of 8 million people, which is about 40% of New York State's entire population, is all on Long Island. Very flat. The highest elevation is 401 feet. See, if it was Staten Island, I would make a joke about that being a garbage pile. <laughs> Burn, Staten Island. Yeah. yeah, it's just a hill. <laughs> uh, it contains both Kings County, which is uh, the borough of Brooklyn, and uh, Queens County. And uh, technically, it's the largest island in the United States at 1,400 square foot. Sorry, 1,400 square miles. Okay. 1,400 square feet is a is might be technically the largest apartment in New York City. But <laughs> <laughs> square miles for the island. It's a major hub for commercial aviation. It's home to LaGuardia and JFK airports. JFK Airport is the largest gateway to international travel in the country. It's also home of the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, which connects Long Island to. Staten Island, sorry, Staten Island, which makes it the longest bridge in the Americas, which I was surprised to learn. I did not know that. I've gone over that bridge a ton. Does it feel like the longest bridge in the Americas? Yeah, it's a really long bridge. Okay. I have ridden over the Golden Gate Bridge. I don't know, that's the, that's the one that gets all the love, right? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably deservedly, it's a lot prettier. The Verrazano Bridge is kind of this yucky, teal-ish color. And there's just nothing really pretty about it, I don't think. <laughs> okay. Be your own judge. <clears throat> I guess I'll just do like a little history rundown. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that prior to European settlement, 14 indigenous tribes lived on Long Island. The Canarsie tribe, uh, Rockaway tribe, Matinicoc, Merrick, Massapequa, Nisicoque, 
Sekatog, Setauket, Pachog, Shinnecock, Manhasset, and Montauk. And there are a couple of more in there, but I really don't want to try to pronounce them because I don't want to be disrespectful. Speaking of Arizona, the bridge, he was the first European settler to encounter the indigenous tribes. He approached the Lenape in the 1500s. Uh, the Lenape were part of the Shinnecock tribe. I don't know if either of you know about Shinnecock Hills Golf Course out near the end. One of the more popular uh, golf courses for the PGA Tour. I forget which open they hold there. Hmm. But it's a bit of a legendary golf course. In 1609, Henry Hudson explored the harbor, supposedly landing at Coney Island. Nobody can prove that. Dutch explorer Adrian Block followed in 1615, and he's credited as the first European to determine that both Manhattan and Long Island are, in fact, islands. Oh, but he was wrong about that, as we know. Yeah, I guess Mm -hmm. he proved wrong hundreds of years later. Long Island was a British stronghold during the Revolutionary War. George Washington fled the island through Brooklyn Heights to Manhattan after losing uh, a battle. I think Manhattan was one of the British uh, Army's bases in the Revolutionary War, so it made sense that all the loyalists stuck around Long Island during the war. Uh, As time went on, Robert Moses, the city architect for New York City, built parkways, projects, uh, developed beaches and state parks for the residents uh, and a lot of visitors from the city. Uh, A lot of these were exclusionary. I'm sure if anyone listening has read about Robert Moses, they know that he is Mm -hmm. or was a, a racist. Uh, so there are also still some some infrastructure issues that need to be addressed on Long Island because of that. More communities and par- the parkways sprung up more communities and uh, the more well-traveled routes sprung up suburbs as time went on. After World War II, like I said, suburban development increased with a lot of incentives under the GI Bill. And uh, that's what really sparked Long Island's population boom from then till today. It is what it is. I never really go out there, so I really know too much about it. <laughs> but I am done with my uh, deep dive on Long Island because that was about as interesting as I could make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, I, I know more about it now than I did. And I have also now, while you were talking, looked at a map specifically to find Long Island. And now I have a better idea of how New York City is laid out. So thank oh. you. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, the last time I was in New York City, I think, was 2002. Mm. It's been a long time. Yeah, this was this was, uh, this was was helpful. Thank you. Uh, I do have my questions. They vary in terms of difficulty and uh, silliness. So you know, Perfect. Bear, bear with me on that stuff. So. That's, that's how we like it. Great. That is exactly it. Yes. Well, the category is Long Island. The question uh, one is, uh, I'd mentioned that Long Island, New York was the largest island in the U.S. by area. However, it is not technically the longest island in the United States. Which state is home to the longest island in the country? Hmm. I love the silence. Hmm. The longest island in the country. Longest island. I, I, I have my guess. I have my guess. All right. I think I've got my guess, too. Um, I'm going to guess California. I also was going to say California. Uh, the correct answer is Alaska. Oh, oh duh. Uh, oh. Prince, Prince of Wales Island in Alaska. Alaska's oh, not a Sorry, state. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they get, no, they, there are easy ones. That's a good question. That was a great question. Yeah, just Alaska <laughs> is enormous. I know. Oh, it's so big, yeah. It's so big. 
even like I feel like it's easy to forget even for trivia people. Like I mean, you know, like you, you're like, what's the biggest state? Oh, I know Alaska. Um, but like that's what I was thinking when I was writing that question. I was thinking, oh, you know, they're gonna know this because Alaska has a, is the biggest state and has a bajillion islands. You know. Yep. But also, we just forget about it. <laughs> like when we're not You've thinking, what's the biggest it. state? Yep. All right, we'll go a little. Uh, I think this is a little bit a couple of geography questions. So. Uh, on what island would you find the country of Brunei? Pretty sure I know the island. I'm trying to bring it to mind. Um, all right. I, uh, I'm i locking in my guess. Okay. Uh, right. I believe that is on Borneo. Borneo was my guess as well. All right. I was you're, I was worried that Borneo was going to be a really dumb right. Both right. Ah, all right. <laughs> nice. And the next geography question is, uh, what is the largest island in the Mediterranean Sea? Again, I am garbage at visualizing a map, but I, I have guessed in mind. If it makes you feel any better, this is the last geography question. Okay. I, uh, it's down between, I have it between two, and I don't know this particular fact. And I think I have decided on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to. Okay, I have my guess. All right. I'm not even sure mine is in the Mediterranean, but I'm going to say Crete. <laughs> Crete is in the Mediterranean. I think okay. it's Sicily. It is Sicily. Yes. Nice. Sicily is the right Congrats. answer. All right. Yes. Kyle pulls ahead. All right. The Long Island Iced Tea Cocktail contains vodka, light rum, tequila, gin, a splash of cola, and what citrus liqueur? Citrus liqueur. All right, I've got a guess in mind. I also have a guess. Yeah, I also have a guess. <laughs> okay, let me um, I'm going to go with triple sec. That was my guess as well. You're both correct. Triple yes. Yay. All right. I was trying to think of like which ingredient to leave out on that question, and I just figured triple sec was the trickiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and my fifth question is, uh, this actor starred as the Mac in the famous early 2000s Mac versus PC advertisements. All right, I've got it. As the Mac. Oh, wait, no. Do I have it? Oh, no. What is his name? Oh, I'm afraid the one I'm thinking of is the PC. Yeah. I mean, John Hodgman is the PC, of course. That is the only name that's in my brain, and you just said it. So, all right, we're going to roll out John Hodgman. Oh, what's the kid's name? It's it's like the pre-Michael Cena, Michael Cena. What is his name? Pretty accurate way of describing him. I mean, I, I have no idea. I have, no, I have I didn't use the, the, the subject is Long Islands. Right. And so I'm assuming his last name is Long, and I'm going to say his first name is Justin. That's correct, Justin. What? <laughs> Emily, did you have a... I, I did not. I mean, I was still stuck on, oh, no, John Hodgman <laughs> is the only actor I can name from those commercials. So uh, you, those points are yours. Okay. I'm Apparently, Justin Long stuck in my head. Awesome. Okay. Uh, So we have Final Jeopardy, if you want to call it. The the category is uh, still islands, but it it just is a little, that was a little hint. That is not what the category is called. The category is sports around the world. 
Okay. All right. Uh, Kyle, you're at 40 points and I'm at 20. Yes. So, so the question is, are you wagering the point or no? I mean, or- do we have a tiebreaker? I'm okay with tying. I'm going to go with zero. All right. I, I guess I guess I'll go all in. Although I'm I'm skeptical about. I, I think I'm dropping to zero, but you know. <laughs> we'll see. No guts, okay. no glory. When many other sports were shut down due to the COVID nineteen pandemic, the Ultimate Fighting Championship pressed on, holding bouts in a faraway location it called quote Fight Island. In which Middle Eastern country is Fight Island located? Ooh. I know this is really hard. I don't even really follow fighting, so, so I wouldn't have I wouldn't know this. I do feel like I know this. I feel mm, maybe I'm pointing myself in the wrong direction. Okay, yeah. I have my I have my guess. You know, a country came to mind right away. Um but I don't think it's an island. <laughs> Uh, all right. You know what? I, I think I'm dropping to zero because the because the country that sprang to mind that I think is probably incorrect, but I don't have a I don't have another guess in mind is Qatar. And I was I mean I bet zero, so it doesn't matter. I was going to say Bahrain. The answer is the United Arab Emirates. Ah, I th- you know what? That was the other thing. I was like, was it in like. Dubai or something. Dubai, yeah. yeah. I thought I was like, is it in Dubai? I feel like Dubai <laughs> is the place to have the the fighting and all that. But oh well. Googling is Cutter an island? I don't think it is, but I think it's Bahrain not. Is. It's oh. a peninsula. Yes, <laughs> off of off of Saudi Arabia. Actually, yeah. I'd like to read the paperwork on whether or not that's a peninsula. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know what? That's a that's a good point. We have to ask their Supreme Court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, I mean, I come out on top victorious. Congrats. <laughs> well deserved. Cool, and thank you, Christian. That was uh, that was a lot of fun, and I learned a lot, and those were uh, that, was, that was a fun quiz. Yeah, Thanks for having great. me. I, I appreciated uh, having an assignment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can give you more if you want. <laughs> uh, how are you with audio editing? Yeah. Oh, no, um, no. Um, so so listeners make sure to uh, go follow Christian's Twitter account uh, fake jeopardy with an underscore right Uh, yep Yep. fake underscore jeopardy on Twitter it's delightful and thank you so much Christian and thank you listeners for uh, for tuning in or whatever we call listening to a podcast usually we call it listening yeah (laughs) there we go I I, I I don't know. I'm, we're we're two years in, and I still don't know what I'm doing here. Um, <laughs> make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, leave a rating or review if you would be so kind. It helps people find us, you know, with the with the algorithms. If you want to check out our Patreon, it's Patreon.com/slash/PotentPotables. And if you have friends who watch Jeopardy, let them know about our podcast. You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables, on Twitter at Potent Potables 1. Our email address is potentpotablescast at gmail.com, and our website is potentpod.com. And we will be back next week with uh, another week of Jeopardy! recaps and a deep dive and quiz. And until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker. 